Welcome to Empowering Connections, a podcast by Connie Akins, a licensed professional counselor with a private practice to help you heal your personal and professional relationships through counseling advice, tips, and ideas. Empowering Connections will focus on healthy ways to improve these relationships, help you manage your stress, and attain a better sense of self-fulfillment. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I'm excited to have with me Dr. Melanie Ricarte, who is the clinical director of Harmony Holistic, and she is a licensed psychologist. She is a ASEC certified sex therapist and an ASEC sex sex certified, I'm sorry, uh, supervisor. And Mm so I'm just really pleased um, to have her on the show again. I think this is her third time coming. Yeah. She's also a facilitator of the Prepare and Rich. And so today we're going to talk about infidelity. And we're really coming from a place of the book called State of Affairs by Esther Perel. And it's just very interesting to me, the topic. And I believe Melanie um, referred this book to me back in some of the other uh, podcasts that she came on. And so it's really good. And so we're just going to talk about how people feel when they're caught up in an affair and infidelity. Welcome, Melanie. Good. Thank you for having me again. Thank you. Awesome. So we're going to start with just a simple question about what is cheating? How does our author define cheating? And we'll give our opinions as well. So it's interesting because I guess, um, you know, in reading the book, so much of um, what Esther Perel describes as cheating is very um, socially constructed. So there's, of course, this idea of a betrayal partner. There's these ways that um, um, people, one person's possibly the perpetrator and one person is the betrayed. And really what it like comes down to is basically a breach of contract between two people and each couple, each individual kind of ends up defining what uh, cheating means. And sometimes people are just not even on the same page. So what might be cheating to one person may not be cheating to another, but in the end, it ends up being some sort of breach of contract or spoken or unspoken rules about how people are supposed to behave within the relationship. I think you're right. And I think to further um, prove that point about how people view cheating differently, we can go far. We can go back as far as when we had um, President Clinton in the office yes. and he repeatedly said, I did not have sex with that woman. And so that to me gets into the definition of is sex really cheating? And Mm -hmm. so let's move forward. Now we have um, people on social media platforms and they're DMing other people. Um, There's meetups and, and people are cheating all over the place basically. And I think that another component of cheating is, you know, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be physical. It could be an emotional connection. What do right. you think? Right. So um, especially nowadays, right, um, there's so much loneliness, right, in our society. 
And I think when, when people are able to find someone with whom they emotionally connect for whatever reason, right? And let's say they do have um, another relationship, it can be one of those things where without even meaning to, even if the other relationship is, let's say, positive, right? Where the because of an emotional connection with someone, they may end up crossing certain lines that end up feeling like a betrayal for their partner. Absolutely. And I'll say being a therapist, if you have um, a client that comes to your office and they say, for example, uh, my husband is looking at pornography. Mm. Well, in some people's opinion, pornography is not even cheating. It's just something that people do uh, to self-please. Right. But the person can be devastated on the other side of the pornography and really, really feel like that's cheating. Right. And that's why it depends so much on spoken and unspoken rules, right? Some of these things people never, ever discuss before entering a relationship or getting married, right? There's a sense of like, oh, we just agree. And there's an assumption that, you know, we agree until something happens, lets each person realize, oh, wait, we're playing by different rules. Absolutely. And I think along with the rules is that do those rules shift, you know, after you've been in a relationship with someone for say five years, seven Mm -hmm. years, 10 years, 20 years, do you shift? Do you change? And a lot of time people do. Most of the time I bet people do just don't talk about it. And that's when problems arise. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that um, she talked about in the book was the elements of an affair. And so I would like for you to tell our audience, you know, what really constitutes an affair? What are the elements? What makes it an actual affair? Mm-hmm. So it's not just these factors, right? But like, these are some of the, the, the prominent ones. So it's secrecy, right? Keeping secrets in some sort of way sexual alchemy right the sense of sexual chemistry or desire and emotional involvement right and affairs can have all three of those it could have one of those right can have two of those but those tend to be elements that are consistently present in affairs okay so a good example i think of secrecy is when people you know have their 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 work husbands and they're mostly connected to that person. And then all of a sudden that work husband becomes a, a situation right. <laughs> where the right. person is actually cheating. You know, I, you right. often wonder how workplace um, affairs take place. But I think it's true that what she said about having that um emotional connection, it may start with the emotional connection and then go to the to the actual physical connection. Right, right. Because proximity, right, exposure to someone breeds emotional attachment, right? It's just one of those things that is human nature, right? The more we spend time with someone, the more we connect and, and relate to them, the more attached we end up feeling towards that person. Mm-hmm. And I've Part heard- Part of our wiring. Yeah, and I've heard people say, 
well, you know, my husband, he doesn't, um, he doesn't listen to me or I don't feel like he desires me anymore. And mm. so they're not, they're not feeling that, um, that physical attraction to mm. their partner. And I think that leads to the, um, to the emotional connection, perhaps to someone else. If some gentleman is coming up to you smiling all the time or, or, or woman <laughs> is coming mm-hmm. up to you smiling and they're giving you good vibes and they're um, making you feel better about yourself. You feel that, um, that sexual alchemy, mm-hmm. that physical attraction, that is what makes it an actual affair. And of course the secrecy, but the secrecy right. leads to betrayal. Right, right. And I think people start being secretive when they start having a sense of intuition that whatever they're doing is something their partner would not approve of, right? So why secrecy? If you know that it's okay, right? It's part of the relationship agreement. So is the sense of like we t- talked about before the sense of breaking a relationship agreement or fear that that's what might be happening and so on. So it's a sense of like, okay, now there's like a withholding information, not sharing certain things, a sense of secrecy that starts to happen as people begin to enter affairs. And I would say that I think people notice behavioral changes in their partner. Um, Many times when I talk to couples, and I'm sure the same thing with you, um, Melanie, one partner will say, yeah, I noticed that um, they started doing something different. You know, they changed up their routine. They started, you know, hiding messages and and different things like that. And and really uh, to have an affair, it almost probably 99% of the time is a secret, right? Right, right. right. Or else is it an affair, right? (laughs) If it's out in the (laughs) open, then it's likely not an affair. Right. Right. So absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, Mm -hmm. affairs can lead to heartbreaks, can lead to separations, can lead to divorces. And so I would like you to talk about what are some of the common stigmas around affairs and divorce? Well, nowadays, right, because we expect so much out of our romantic partners, and especially the person we choose to marry, it's the sense of shame we choose to stay with that person because now the betrayal is not just like, okay, right, we had this contract, right, to be financially responsible for one another and the kids that we raise and so on. Now the contract is that we're best friends to each other, that you're going to be there for me through thick and thin in every possible situation. You're going to help me raise our kids and um, with probably little support from many other people, right? You're going to be there with me in sickness and in health, and you're going to be my primary lover and my only lover, right? And so basically you're going to be the person that satisfies all my needs. And so there's this shame about sticking to that person because of the the intensity of the betrayal associated with that rupture and attachment. So people will give advice of pick up your marriage and as a brain, how could you stay with that person? Um, you must think so little of yourself if you stay with that person. It's a sense of more shame associated with staying with somebody that has betrayed you than with divorcing because of all that is now tied to marriage. Wow, that's absolutely right. And I think that 
on the divorce end, the shame comes from, I'm feeling like a failure. I'm feeling like I couldn't keep my relationship. I have to now um, possibly choose between a a financial status, you know, how Mm -hmm. I looked, you know, where I lived, how I'm able to either sustain or, or, or really lower, have to lower my lifestyle as a woman in particular. And I would also say that um, the shame around if you're a woman who's gotten divorced and you were um, always hanging out with other couples, with your spouse, and now you're just like that single woman out there, um, maybe there's a little bit of shame in the fact that I don't, you don't have a partner anymore, you know? Right. So I think a lot of people associate divorce with failure. Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then I like the other part where you said about um, shame is shame to me is like a, 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 an internal um, a feeling of, of, I don't even know if it's guilt more or less. It's more um, to me, doubt in oneself. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, shame creates a sense of isolation to where a person potentially will, you know, become a loner or mm-hmm. not really have as many people to interact with, especially if they get a divorce. And like I said, in the other scenario, you're, you're used to hanging out with couples and now it's just you. So you kind of start becoming more isolated. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like, you're getting to like the sense of difference between shame and guilt, right? Mm -hmm. I think when people are in a shame state, they feel bad within themselves, right? They feel bad as a person, like I am bad. Well, guilt is I did something bad, right? So people who feel guilt are more likely to make changes because it's like, oh, I did this bad thing. Let me make a, a, a change. Well, shame responses often lead people to freeze. If you feel like you're a bad person right that can be so activating of our our triggers of our fight or flight response and oftentimes people freeze in states of shame right we don't feel like we're bad rather than like we did something bad it's very hard to make changes wow that's absolutely true so tell me this i think that i read in the book Uh, secrets and lies are at the heart of every affair and they heighten both the excitement and the betrayal. And I think that you touched on it when you, when you were talking about the internalized shame and also some of the guilt, but why do you think it heightens the excitement and really, really makes the hurt person feel more betrayed? So, The excitement is one of those things that many people even describe like a drug, right? Is that intensity not only associated with possibly like falling in love with a new person, but the intensity of falling in love heightened by the secrecy of it, right? It's like the idea of Romeo and Juliet, right? Like now there's this element of, of having to hide the love from others or, or hiding the intensity from others. And so that is often what ends up feeling so 
hurtful to the betrayed partner, the sense of you experience this intensity, this love, this passion with someone else, why not me, right? Why did you choose to do it with somebody else? Why did you choose to give them, let's say, the best of yourself rather than me who might have been with you like 15, 20 years so that that I think is at the at the heart of why people often feel so hurt, um, and so it's that mix, right? For the 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 person having the affair, it's what keeps them in it, and then for the hurt person, it's what creates the the pain. Okay, and I would also say that some of the pain is centered around the feelings of rejection. You know, mm-hmm. for the person. You started off seeing that when a person has an affair, they actually break a contract. And so, you know, a lot of that, um, that feeling of betrayal, you know, there's some thoughts about, I trusted you, I invested in this relationship, I'll hear people say that word, I invested in this relationship. And they're not really talking about a financial investment, they're talking about an emotional investment. Because to right. trust someone means that you're giving your heart to them. Um, right. you're, you're, you're planning futuristic events with them, whether it's children or houses or, or businesses. And then all of a sudden, this affair happens or this infidelity happens and you feel reject, rejected. You feel betrayed. You feel, like you said, the trust has been breached. And I think a lot of people when they go into marriage, they know it's a contract, but we don't really think about it like a contract because it's more of an emotional connection than a, even though there's a legal document, you still think more in tune with emotions than this is an agreement. Right, right. Because few people, especially in American culture, right, go into marriage thinking, okay, this is just a legal binding agreement, right? Part of this agreement, kind of like what is that I was mentioning before, right? Like we're confident, we share with each other all these different things that we just don't share with anyone else anymore. That part of the agreement is that now all these things are between us and nobody else is part of it. Okay. Okay. Now, what do you think couples can do after the storm of infidelity? What can they do? So repair is important, right? And the way to repair is to rebuild trust. And it is a long process, right? For for couples, it can, the, depending on the nature of the infidelity, it can take two, three years, even longer, right? Um, depending on how long they've been together, what they've built together, and again, what what happened, right? And, and what was the nature of the affair. But building trust requires authenticity, right? It requires openness. It requires both people to be willing to slowly kind of share basically what I was mentioning before in terms of those rules, Mm -hmm. right? About um, what they expect from one another, who they are, what they cherish about one another, what um, they want out of the relationship going forward, creating new dreams together, creating a new relationship together and new agreements that both people commit to, 
right? So this is a, a, a breach in contract, right? So oftentimes what's required is basically a new set of agreements that both people openly talk about, especially if let's say there was lack of communication. Sometimes affairs happen because there was a lack of communication and people didn't even know they were breaching a contract. So what is a new contract? What is a new agreement? How am I my open true self with you so that you really see who I am? We create a new sense of connection, a new sense of togetherness that then that might not have been there. Wow, I agree. New agreements. That's a good way of looking at it, I think creating a new agreement and couples out there if you don't know how to do that on your own then that's the time to seek out a therapist a family therapist a marriage and family therapist a sex therapist um and i would also say that you know when you when you make a, a a new agreement you talked about being authentic. And I think there's a point in the book where um, Esperell said that, you know, some, for some people, when they're trying to get past the, the infidelity, they want to know every single detail of the infidelity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's really hard on the person who wants to know every single detail and the other person who does not want to reveal every single detail because you know once you get the details it's like wh- what are you really going to do with them right right you know wh- where is but that also what happens is like I always tell people this right I tell couples this I, I do a ton of couples work and I say don't ask questions you don't actually want the answer to <laughs> right and then I think about if you know the answer to that if you know the answer to that question what might it do to you? And what do you really know? Think about the question you're about to ask. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the question is not, okay, what did you do with her, right? Or what did you do with him? Please tell me the details. But the question might be, how do we create passion in our relationship, right? What has been missing here? How do we build the kind of life and relationship that we want versus making comparisons to something else that will just cause pain? Awesome. I think that's a good point because I feel like when people tell all the dirty details, at least what I've seen is explosive behavior sometimes right in my office. Um, I've seen intense feelings of rejection I've seen shock, like, how could you do that? Um, And so I feel like you, Melanie, it's not always, um, it's not always best to know every single detail. Mm -hmm. I like the questions that you said, what can we do to move forward? How can we create a new agreement? What about that situation maybe was, compelling you to do it that you feel like we need to work on in our situation. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And sometimes it's like, as it's written in the book, even happy people cheat, right? Sometimes it doesn't even have to do with the relationship or something going on, the partner, but an individual crisis, right? 
whether it is work-related or meaning of life-related or some other physical or emotional change that happened for an individual person that, let's say, the, the affair created a, a new sense of meaning or life or, or, or passion. They may not have been experiencing that wasn't at all related to their relationship. So some of those things are about individuals as well as a couple or separate from the couple. Absolutely. And I think that I would recommend this book to anyone who has been betrayed, anyone who feels that they're um, working through a situation with infidelity, because it certainly leads to different perspectives about why people have cheated, what was going on with them emotionally, um, how you can view the whole entire topic of infidelity. And so I'm I'm definitely not advocating for it, but it's a good read. It's a good um, discussion. And Mm -hmm. it really is kind of to me, eye-opening, because I think that the person, even the person who was betrayed, they may have to do some soul searching with inside of themselves to figure out what behaviors they present in a relationship. And I'm not blaming them, but I'm just saying that everybody plays a role in their relationship. And it's kind of like what, um, you know, Mr. Perel said in the book, the sense of like, I would not recommend an affair to someone, just like I wouldn't recommend anyone get cancer, right? <laughs> like, you don't want to do that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, it can be an, an incredible learning experience, right? Let's say it happens. It's like, what does each person need to learn about themselves and their wants and needs and so on from this experience, right? Of course, it, it can be have catastrophic uh, uh, consequences right it's not definitely not something <laughs> i would also recommend to anyone yeah, if it happens it's like what can you learn from it right and so it is a good read and we certainly would recommend it to anyone and we hope that um any couple out there who is struggling um with infidelity that you Um, possibly read it, talk to a therapist, talk to a counselor, and remember that there is help for you. Right, 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 yeah. Please, Please reach out. And thanks again, Melanie, for being on the show. Thank you, Connie. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. The Empowering Connections podcast is not intended to replace the need for a professional counseling relationship. This podcast does not constitute professional advice or counseling services. As always, if you need mental health services, please seek a qualified mental health provider. You can find Connie Akins on the websites Psychology Today and Therapy for Black Girls. If you have an iTunes or Spotify account, please subscribe, share, and continue to listen. Feel free to check out Connie Aiken's website at www.empoweringserenity.net. And follow Connie on Instagram at Connie Aiken's LPC. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. We appreciate you listening to the Empowering Connections podcast and providing feedback. Stay positive.